Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the U.K., Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host, as usual, Liam, or at the FSA tweets on Twitter. And I'm joined by Rich at Dynasty Island on Twitter, my co-host, Rich, after um, uh, <laughs> even more crazy week three than week two. How, how did your week go? Yeah, I had a good week. Um, I know it was a, bit, a little bit mental, um, but yeah, I had I had a decent week in in all. Finished in the positive in the wins column, which was good. I, I was thirty seven and twenty nine across all my leagues, so fifty six percent win rate. So yeah, it was pretty good. What about you? Um, I actually haven't worked out my win rate, but I've been doing pretty well. I've lost in a lot of leagues that um, I was doing pretty well in, so that's not good, obviously. Um, but my dynasty teams seem to be going the way that I want them to, whether that is rebuild in the ones that I'm rebuilding or um, absolutely being dominant. No, I'm joking. And just just winning here and there. But um, Rich, let's get quickly to these high scorers because um, then there's just some names out there that we didn't expect to see in the top three at each position. So... As um, as normal, it is four-point touchdown uh, for quarterbacks and PPR for every other position. We don't do any fancy scoring, and we're just going to recap the top three from each position. Starting off at the quarterback position, Lamar Jackson um, outscored every other quarterback by 13 points near, near enough, um, with a four, over a 40-point um, showing this week. Jalen Hurts came in as QB2. With 27.6 points and then Jalen, uh, Josh Allen 
with 26.7s just behind Jalen Hurts. Rich, Lamar and Hurts at the top of um, the high scorers. I mean, we're going to talk about how Hurts is doing really well, but Lamar, I mean, he's playing for that contract right now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been incredible. It's the greatest start to a fantasy season for a quarterback ever. And it's the second greatest three-game stretch in terms of fantasy points scored um, ever. So, you know, I think what he's doing in terms of from the pocket as a passer has been, you know, far superior to what I thought was was capable and what was what was possible. His ability to progress through reads, sit in the pocket and and find the right guy and add on to that the the kind of rushing potential it's it's been really impressive. His I think he's up at like a 75% adjusted completion rate with an A dot of 11, which is just well, normally when you're pushing the ball that far downfield, the completion percent is uh, is greatly reduced. So yeah, re- really impressive, and you know it's it's hard to say anything other than it, it looks like it's going to continue. I mean, you, when you throw Jalen Hurts in there, Rich, he's both of these guys had all of the rushing talent in the world, but the passing game was what everyone were was questioning about. So what what do you think there? Are you seeing a massive um, improvement from their passing game? Because personally for me, when I've rewatched Jalen Hurts from last year compared to this year, from the few games that I have managed to watch, um, it feels like Jalen Hurts has improved massively. Have you seen anything for Lamar as well? Yeah, I mean, Lamar's improved. Um, his ability to prog- to work through his progressions is what I've been impressed with more than anything. I think, you know, the arm talent has always been there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that his ability to go from one to two to three and find the right right person before he's then escaping has uh, has absolutely kind of uh, amazed me really, and that's that's the biggest thing that I've seen is that improvement from the pocket from him. So yeah, you've just thrown up a question on here, Rich, before I started talking about Hertz. Um, Stocks has asked whether we're starting him in front of Alan. So I'm assuming that was Lamar when we were talking about Lamar. But are you starting yeah. either of those two quarterbacks, um, Hertz and Lamar, over Allen weekly at this point? So I've not I've not finished my ranks yet. So I've, I've got an uh, option to, to change this at a later date. But at the moment, I've got Allen 1, Hertz 2, Lamar 3. Now that's mainly because the Ravens are 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks and the Bills are first. So that's more of a matchup thing than a Lamar over Josh Allen thing. I think that the Ravens are giving giving up an awful lot more fancy points than uh, than the Bills defense. So yeah, I'd I'd still pump with uh, with Josh Allen. Although let's be honest, stocks, I don't know what league that is in, but if you're having to decide between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, I'm I'm hoping that's a one QB league. But if that's a you know, I'm not quite sure in what world you're being able to make that decision. Um, so moving on, Rich, running backs. Um, a name that we kind of expect to be in here is Derrick Henry. But then starting off at running back one on the week overall was Khalil Herbert with nearly 31 points. That's 13.9 points. Um, Derrick Henry, 25.3 points, RB2. And then Jamal Williams, 24.7 points, comes in at RB3. We've got two, what you would essentially call backup running backs for fantasy purposes um, in the top three here, Rich. Yeah, Jamal Williams done it again, isn't he? We, we talked about him leading the league in uh, goal line opportunities um, and also getting a decent amount of targets as well. And, and he's done it again, isn't he? I think it was two goal line touchdowns that he scored at the weekend. Um but Khalil Herbert, I, I feel like sh- sh- we're kind of like a proud parent with Khalil Herbert. You know, we've been hyping <laughs> him for the last, what, 18 months. We've talked about how he was going to be the Bears' lead back next year, how he was a better player than David Montgomery, how the Bears just needed to realise that. And first opportunity he gets, he puts up 30.9 fantasy points. David Montgomery has never put up 30 fantasy points in his career. And Khalil Herbert does it in the first game that... He's, you know, this year that he's the, he's the truly back. So, 
yeah, hopefully, you know, we don't like to root for injuries. Hopefully David Montgomery is, is healthy, but hopefully this has shown the Bears enough that Khalil Herbert is now going to be here to stay. And if anything, he's at least a, you know, 1B to Montgomery's 1A, but hopefully they can uh, they can continue to feed David Montgomery, uh, to Khalil Herbert, sorry. I mean, he had 157 rushing yards on only 20 attempts, which gives him over a seven... Um, seven yards per carry and also had two touchdowns. I will say it was against the Houston Texans defense, who is one of the worst um, run defenses coming into this week. I mean, yeah, as you said, we've been hyping him up. I won't take as much credit because you were way on him beforehand. Um, But yeah, he's been absolutely insane. Um, Monty's contract ends at the end of this year, I believe, Rich. Yeah, is that yeah he's, he's a free agent at the end of the year, so that was where we were were potentially hyping him, hyping Herbert, saying that Montgomery's going at the end of the year. I can't believe that a rebuilding Bears team would re-sign Montgomery, so I think he's gone in free agency, and that was where the hope was that Herbert would take over. You know, if it if it comes earlier than next year, I'm I'm absolutely delighted. Although I'm a bit frustrated because a lot of my benches were very happy that Herbert did well on Sunday rather than my starting lineups. I mean, it probably says more about my starting lineups, but I had Herbert starting in a few of my leagues and I'm very glad that he was. <laughs> um, so moving on to the wide receivers, Rich, Devonta Smith came in at 30.9 points as wide receiver one. Matt Collins just behind him at 30 on the dot and then Marquise Brown at... Uh, 28 points now. Rich, Marquise Brown had 17 targets this week. Uh, I thought that was an insane stat line. He had a thir- just under a 30% target share. I mean, the, the uh, Cardinals did throw the ball nearly 60 times. But what do you foresee for Marquise Brown going forward, especially when DeAndre Hopkins comes back into the offense? I think that's the key point, And that was exactly why I wanted to talk on this. Look, this this Cardinals offense is not well built. We've talked about Cliff Kingsbury several times. He is a, in my eyes, a terrible head coach and a terrible offensive play caller. He doesn't call an offensive scheme. He calls a series of plays, and he basically lines his players up, gives a specific root concept, and then the K is Kyler go and make things happen. And that's where Marquise Brown ended up seeing seventeen targets and the volume, because it's basically oh, crap, we're losing this game, Kyler, go and do something. Now, that's all well and good when Kyler's the only competent wide receiver. You know, when Greg Dortch, you know, okay, I loved Greg Dortch coming out. He was a a rookie model dream. Um, Glad to see that he's finally coming to reality. But that's his target competition. We're going to add in potentially Rondell Moore this week who, Rondell Moore, say what you like, he's going to get targets and the way they're going to use him. And then you're adding DeAndre Hopkins in three weeks. I think you, if if you're doing things right, I think you need to be exploring selling high on Marquise Brown because I don't foresee this continuing over the next, you know, two months. Yes, you might have a couple of good weeks before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But if you wait to sell until week five, everybody's going to go, oh, he's only selling Marquise Brown because DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. That's not in people's minds yet. I think if you can sell now before people start talking about Hopkins and thinking about Hopkins, that's your opportunity. Moving over to the tight ends, Rich. Uh, Mark Andrews had another monster week at 28.9 points. David and Njoku in Thursday night football had nearly 24 points. Um, he was an absolute monster in that game. Travis Kelsey had 17.9 points at tight end three. David Njoku, is this his breakout week, Rich? Do you expect him to have this type of um, game? Maybe not 24 points at <laughs> tight end two, but do you expect him to be in the top 12 from now on? Yes, yes. I th- I think David Montgomery is now in the reliable starting. 
David Njoku, sorry. I'm, I want to keep pounding <laughs> on David Montgomery. Um, I think David Njoku is now in the reliable starter category. I think that he's moved out of that optional streamer spot. I think from a, you know, it, it feels like forever that it's taken him to come of uh, to come to fruition after he was drafted, but he's improved gradually. And, and I feel like now he's getting the opportunity. And, you know, at some point, Sean Watson is going to come back and I feel like this offense is going to take a step forward. And if he can carve out that number two spot in this offense, by playoff time, he could be a potential league winner because that offense is going to take a step forward. You know, if it is Amari Cooper one, David Njoku two, he's probably going to be a top seven or eight tight end by that point in the season. So, Rich, let's move on to the significant news. Uh, this week, we've got some good news, but as usual, we always have some bad news. So um, let's start off with some good and we'll get into some not so good in a minute. Keenan Allen is on track to be back. He was a late um, declared out for the games this week. But after that hamstring injury, he does look to be back on track this week. He's supposed to be starting um, his practising so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But as I said, probably back this week. Mac Jones, unfortunately, on some bad news, um, has what looks to be a pretty severe high ankle sprain. And that's a quote from Ian Rappaport. Um, so that is probably him out for a month, if not even longer than that. Um, Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery together both left um, their respective games. Dalvin Cook with a shoulder injury looked to be dislocated or it had been reported as dislocated afterwards. And then David and Joke, um, David Montgomery, see I did it then, Rich, um, had his ankle rolled up, rolled up on. Both are questionable for week four. We don't know what's going to happen there. But Rich, David, um, Dalvin Cook, he's got a... Um, it, this could be quite worrying for dynasty managers, especially with his injury history, especially around that shoulder. Yeah, so I read a report today. I, it wasn't from the most reputable source, so I need to be careful <laughs> what I'm saying here. The report basically said that he has a permanently torn labrum and his shoulder could pop out at any point. That is... So, I mean, Strange. of all the positions to play with a permanently torn labrum and a shoulder that could pop out, I'm not sure running back would be particularly high on my list. Um, so, yeah, consider, you know, I've, I've been banging the drum for getting rid of Dalvin Cook on your dynasty rosters for the past year. Consider me absolutely terrified with, with that, <laughs> that report, because if that is true, you know, what's to say, you know, maybe he, he misses week four, maybe he comes back in a week. It's one hit and that shoulder could pop. Like, okay, that's I'm 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 very, very concerned about it. And yeah, I think Alexander Madison, we you know, he's 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 a fantastic handcuff. He immediately steps into that RB2 category um any week that Dalvin Cook's out. So yeah. If if you've got Dalvin Cook, maybe wait till he plays and and then sell, because if you sell when he's injured, you're not gonna get a decent return, I think. Um, Dalton Schultz, who missed week three, is a complete unknown for week four. We we just have no information right now. Um, I think he's pushing to play, but that's what every team says about every player that missed the previous week, um, unless it's an obvious long-term injury. Um, Amon Rossent brown uh, left the game with an ankle injury. Um, again, another unknown. Unfortunately, Tuesday injury news isn't full of... Uh, knowledgeable information right now um but there is an opportunity that he misses week four rich that's going to be a massive blow to the uh, lions offense especially one that's been clicking with amon rice and brown as the focal point yeah everything i've read says encouraging like what what does an encouraging report on an ankle injury mean <laughs> it's it means nothing not broken me. ankle injury is always concerned if if it's a high ankle sprain you know we're talking four to six weeks um Look, I, I saw a mock draft startup today where Amon Rasset Brown went number it was a one QB startup and Amon Rasset Brown went number four overall as the wide receiver three. So it went Jefferson, Chase, Jonathan Taylor, and then some Brown. Now, 
I, I, I've come round to Emerson Brown, but if you could get that sort of price with Jameson Williams floating in the background, with him potentially currently injured, do we need to talk about Emerson Brown as a must sell? If if that's the potential price that's being floated around, I, I think we need to start talking about him as a sell because people are putting him in that um, top five, top ten wide receiver range and if they've got him there in dynasty i'm selling um i mean i'm i was completely wrong on him in the off season i didn't think that he was going to hold up this focal point he has so i'm i'm going to happily admit that i was wrong but when it comes to um jameson williams who i was massively high on pre-draft and post-draft i don't think he's going to come back and light the world on fire for the Lions straight away, but I also don't think he's going to be completely ignored as and used as a deep threat just because of his speed. Um, so I want to see how Amon Rasant Brown um, deals with that extra target because at the moment there's not really a whole lot there. There's obviously Swift who's been getting targets, Hawkinson that's been getting some, but wide receiver-wise there's nothing else there. So he's just sweeping all of that up. Josh Reynolds, who had over 200 air yards this last week, you know, that's as soon as Josh Reynolds becomes Jameson Williams, I think this offense is uh, leaning in a slightly different direction. So moving on, we've got Michael Thomas left the game with a toe injury, um, but from from what I've seen, that he's not expecting to miss any time, and just something to consider. I've lumped these two together as Dak Godwin and um, Dak Prescott and Chris Godwin. So both could be return or could be returning as soon as week five. So not this week coming up, but next week. Um, obviously, Dak with that thumb injury and Godwin with that hamstring injury. Um, that would be good news for a lot of dynasty rosters. I know I'm, I'm missing Dak from a few rosters, so I need him back. Um, Brian Robinson. Uh, this is a, a feel-good story for everyone that has seen the story. Um Back just before the season started, he was shot multiple times in, and I quote, the lower extremities. Um, Now, he was seen back on the field during warm-ups before the Washington Commanders um, game this week. And we could see him as early as week five, Rich. He's on the, um, I believe it's the NFI list, the non-football injury list. And I think... Um, from my research, the earliest he comes back or can come back from being on that preseason is week five. So um, it's looking good, especially considering that um, horrible story that we heard in the preseason. And then DeAndre Swift, um, we saw a report today um, from Ian Rappaport saying that he could potentially sit for a few weeks and rest up his shoulder that's been plaguing him with a bit of a of issues so just something to look out for especially if that means jamal williams is getting the uh boatload of those carries as well as the goal line touches that we've mentioned already rich that is all the significant news so let's move on to the dynasty stock market who do you have as a riser this week so i think i feel like he's been a riser every week um perhaps not in this section but I guess overall value and it's, it's Jalen Hurts. Um, he just keeps doing it. He keeps impressing. If we're going to add in a, you know, a second elite receiving weapon with Devonta Smith on top of AJ Brown, I think we need to have a conversation. Jalen Hurts, he's, he's now in my top five dynasty QBs. I think there is no world in which the Eagles don't commit to him next year. That was, you know, we talked about it in the preseason, didn't we? Where, if if he if we knew he was the starting quarterback in 2024, he'd be a top five dynasty QB. Well, I'm now of the opinion that I think he is definitely going to be a starting quarterback of the Eagles in 2024. So, you know, unless he massively falls off, Rich, no, I don't I, foresee him ever, ever giving up that starting role this year. I think if he went on a run for, for the next 13 games and, you know, fell off a cliff, I think he's now shown enough that the Eagles can see that he's the starter for next year. Um, I've got him ahead of Kyler. I've got him ahead of Burrow. Um, yeah, he's he's in that tier with, with Justin Herbert for me right now. And then, Rich, I am, I'm going to specify that you put this one on this list so I don't look like a massive homer, but you've put Romeo Dobbs on here. 
um, you've put, is he the Packers wide receiver one? Now, um, I will say Sammy Watkins is now on the IR. He went on just before the game this week. Yeah, huge shocker. Um, But he's now on IR, which means that Dobbs is there to step up. I think Lazard is still going to be the favourite target, especially around the end zone for um, for Aaron Rodgers. But that being said, I think that Dobbs has got this starting role now and he's not going to give it up very easily, especially for when Christian Watson comes back because he was out, he was inactive for the, the game this week um, with an injury. So I think Watson can still become something and... I'm just excited for both of those receivers uh, to for the future at least. But yeah, at the moment, Romeo Dobbs is probably the the upside play in the Packers' offense from the wide receiver position. But otherwise, I think for for real NFL, probably looking at Aaron Rodgers throwing to Lazard as the safety net, if not the running backs. Yeah, I, th- I think look any time a rookie. Day three wide receiver is running 95% of routes in week three. I think it's noteworthy. I, I'm not there yet with him. I, I like him. I was really impressed with him on Sunday. Um, but I'm not there to to kind of go all in and, and think that he's the answer. I'd I'd still want to see another week. And if that means I'm I'm gonna be late to the party and you know it's gonna cost me more to acquire him, then so be it. But I I just I don't know if there's enough there for him to be, you know, thrown in that top 36 wide receiver bracket. He's still at like not there for wide, me wide receiver 50 plus for me at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy just sitting back and saying, show me a bit more first. Um, Rich, and then you've got the fallers here. The first one on the list, DJ Moore. I mean... <laughs> What a start for DJ Moore of the season. This is not what dynasty managers were expecting, were they? No. Um, I was very much expecting a, a huge season from DJ Moore, and uh, he's so far disappointed. I think he's... Look, Baker's probably the best quarterback that he's had of his career so far, and Baker's been absolutely terrible this year. Um but this is a guy that's he's put three consecutive top twenty-five seasons. He's his quarterbacks in that time. Carl Allen, Cam Newton, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, Sam Donald. I still believe in the talent. Let me let me just point out Teddy was actually the best of those. That says everything about the yeah. the type of quarterbacks he's had. I st- I still believe in the talent. I think that we, on Sunday, he was shadowed. So every single time the Saints played man coverage, Marshawn Lattimore was on DJ Moore. Marshawn Lattimore, we've seen him take away more receivers before for games at a time. I think if you can use this opportunity to go and buy low on DJ Moore, I, th- I think it's a sensible move. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that whilst his value is falling, it's, it's, it's about to bounce back. What you've also got to remember is in week one, they went again, uh, the Panthers played against the Browns, who absolutely took away Elijah Moore um, against the Jets. So that seems to be their type of MO right now, where they're just taking away a top target. Um, so he has played against some defenses that can just take away that, that top target and not leave um, the quarterback with his. I'd assume favorite target um, from Baker, but I don't really know how that's uh, that's playing out right now. Moving on, Rich, you've got Kyler on this list as well. I mean, I'm just going to leave the floor to you. You've said that Hertz has overtaken him in your rankings, but where's Kyler falling for you right now? Yeah, I mean, Kyler, Kyler's still six. Let's not let's let's not panic too I'm much. I'm not saying he's falling too far. No, um, but I think look, he's he's not produced from a stats perspective that we'd hope i think you know we we've talked a couple of times liam in the off season about not having deandre hopkins in his stats when targeting every other receiver not named deandre hopkins weren't that particularly impressive and and we've seen it so far this year you know he's he's struggling from a touchdown perspective um his touchdown rate is very low 
Um, I'm, I'm frantically trying to look it up because I didn't actually make a note. He's at 2.1% touchdown rate, which the only quarterbacks with a lower touchdown rate are Mac Jones, Mitchell Trubisky and Russell Wilson. So, you know, that says everything you need to know there. He is getting DeAndre Hopkins back in three weeks. I think that is going to help this offense as a whole. And I think that if you can buy low on Kyler, hopefully there's going to be some touchdown regression coming. Hopefully there's going to be, you know, some some new horses coming into the stable with Rondell Moore and DeAndre Hopkins. So, yes, Kyler is a fooler. He has to be because of the way he's played over the last couple of weeks. But I think there's some hope there. Um, you've got Justin Jefferson on this list, which I'm assuming that a lot of listeners have just gasped at you putting Justin Jefferson on here, but I can totally see why. I mean, if the Packers did what either of the past two teams have done, the Lions and my mind's blanking on who they've just played for some reason. Um, they played the Lions last week. The Lions and the Eagles, sorry, that those are the two teams. But if they had done anything like the um, Lions and the Eagles did, Justin Jefferson wouldn't have gone off absolutely massively against us. We played zone all game and we weren't covering him whatsoever. I mean, there were a couple of snaps where Preston Smith lined up over him in the slot, which is ridiculous. Um, but the past two games, Eagles put Darius Slay on him for the most of that game. Um, and absolutely bottled him up, which well, for, bottled him up for Justin Jefferson standards. When um, Darius Lay was covering him, I believe I saw a stat that was not very good for Justin Jefferson catches. Um, and then this week um, against the Lions, again the defense adjusted, and I mean you, you can see that within his fancy points and his fancy production. Yeah, so he, he was doubled on or saw double coverage on every single route other than eight on Sunday. The Eagles, uh, the Lions, sorry, did. Would, it was very impressive. They basically stuck a safety over the top. If he ran deep, the safety was over the top, giving corner help. If he ran a crossing route, the safety on the other side of the field came down to double him. It was, you know, it, it was really impressive schematically. It took the Vikings far too long to realise what they were doing and start looking elsewhere. But you've you've got to worry when a player like Justin Jefferson is being able to be taken out of the game like that. And look, I think Justin Jefferson is you know an elite talent. I think he's arguably one of the best receivers in the league. I expect him to bounce back. I expect him to be putting up those monster stat lines like he did in week one. But... I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see another week or two this season where he, he does get taken out. And I think that you know, Kevin O'Connell needs to have a long look at himself and uh, go back and look at the film and try and start scheming up more interesting ways to get Justin Jefferson open. Because if teams are just going to double him every single snap, they need to have some sort of counter. Well, there you go, Kevin O'Connell. If you are listening to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast, Rich at Dynasty Island, in case you want to go and subtweet <laughs> him, has told you you need to go and have a look, long look at yourself. Um, but let's move over to another NFC North team. You've got Darnell Mooney. I mean, that passing offense from the Browns, uh, the Bears, hasn't been good whatsoever. They haven't allowed um, fields to open it up. Those pass plays aren't there. Um, but Fields still hasn't completed double-digit... Um, he hasn't had double-digit uh, completions all season through three weeks, which is incredible. Like, I don't understand how that happens. But then Darnell Mooney's just not seeing those targets and not getting those completions. They're going elsewhere, Rich. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we can sit here and talk about target share as much as you like, but a 25% target share when you're averaging 15 passes a game is is not particularly interesting. I've I, An interesting nugget I, I read today was that the Jets have targeted running backs and tight ends 22 times a game and the Bears have attempted 17 passes a game total. So, uh, the, yeah, that I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. Regression has got to set in. The Bears have got to start passing the ball more. You'd expect Mooney to bounce back. But look, this is the problem when we hype up a situation and say he's the only person that's going to get targeted in an offence. 
yeah, but the offense isn't going to be any good. So look, he's the only person in the league that has got a target share north of 22% that doesn't have a single week as a top 36 receiver. So if people are completely panicking and, you know, you can buy him dirt cheap, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably be interested, but I'm not going out and buying Darnell Mooney because I think there's going to be, you know, fairly common that there's going to be weeks like this. I'm certainly not feeling comfortable starting him pretty much anywhere at the moment. So, Rich, let's move over to the player of the week. We'll start with you because why not? Um, who have you got as your player for this week? My player is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he had a really impressive game on Sunday. So 260 yard, 262 passing yards, three touchdowns, finished with 25.2 points as the QB4. Um, I think this is it. I think Trevor Lawrence has arrived. We talked about it week one, I believe, after the week one review show, where we said, look, Trevor Lawrence, I was really impressed with him week one. And I think that's it. I think he is now an elite talent that we expected. I'm I'm all in on him. I'm all in on this offense. And I think that look, you, you've, you've just got to believe that he's going to go from strength to strength. He has shown me so much from it's, I think the most impressive thing is the speed at which he can get from receiver one to receiver two. It, it's, it's mind blowing how quickly he gets through those progressions. Uh, and he's got all the arm talent that, that you could dream of. So yeah, I'm I'm all in. I think he's a elite option, and I think he's 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 back in the top ten in terms of dynasty quarterbacks. Maybe even sneak a little bit higher. Um, yeah, uh, I'm. I like Trevor Lawrence. We were both on him as a. a say, a bounce-back candidate. He probably wasn't ever there under Urban Meyer just because of that whole situation. But Doug Peterson looks like he's figured out how to make this team run. I mean, they just absolutely smashed the Chargers in um, in points and, and everything else. I mean, some of that might come down to Herbert and his uh, rib injury. But, I mean, when the when the Jags are putting up 38 points on a very difficult, very tough um, Chargers defense. Um, to me, that signals that he, he has taken that step forward from an NFL point of view. Fancy production always will carry on with that. You very, very, very rarely see bad um, or quarterbacks on bad teams produce very well. Um, in fantasy, I want to go away and have a look at those stats now, um, just to see how they, that works. But yeah, I, th- I think Trevor Lawrence, especially with his newfound uh, prime target in Christian Kirk. I mean, James Robinson is working on um, working in that run game. He's yeah, I, I like this Jaguars team. Didn't like it last year, quite obviously, but. This year, especially for fantasy production, they've been absolutely incredible through three weeks. Um, my player is a guy that I believe both of us were high on, um, higher than consensus going through the preseason. Um, and that is Devonta Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles. This week, he had an incredible game. He had 12 targets. He caught eight of them, ran or received 169 yards and a touchdown. Um, But there's a few things that I wanted to talk about. First, we'll start off with the Eagles. I mean, Rich, we both said that um, we don't think AJ Brown is going to come in and just be the only guy there. We did both think that, or at least I'm probably putting words in your mouth now because I'm doubting myself a little bit here, but I definitely was saying that Devonta Smith wasn't going to just fade out of any game plan and he was still going to put up points didn't think it was going to be to this extent i'll be honest i i still thought that wide receiver 24 was in his um range of outcomes but he's been incredible so far this season yeah he's he's been fantastic i think i i, I always thought, felt like he'd be a bit boom bust just because i thought the nature of Jaden hurts as the quarterback you know aj brown coming in as a lead weapon thought he'd have some good weeks, thought he'd have some shocking weeks. I, I think 
the key for him going forward is going to be consistency, isn't it? Is that can he command a solid, you know, six, seven targets per game, you know, give you at worst that sort of 10, 12 point weeks and then throw in the odd 25. I think that's, that's the key, isn't it? Is that hopefully he can provide that floor and not, and not just be a boom bus flex option as such. Um, but the other thing I wanted to touch on, as you said, we, we, you expected some volatility, so did I. But both AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, apart from that first week for Devonta Smith, have seen a good floor of 10 to 15 point PPR points at least. Obviously, you had that first week for Devonta where he had no points because he didn't catch a ball. Um, but I think that that says everything you need to know about what that offense is going to be like. Um, and then something else that I wanted to kind of touch on was the opponent that Devonta Smith just put up um, 30 points, I believe it was, yeah, 31 points. Um, they did it against the Washington defense. Now, the Washington defense allowed 41 points to Amon Ross and Brown um, and 20 points to Christian Kirk, which is, do you think that's some sort of trend right now? Because I quite like CD. I mean, we obviously like CD Lamb before, but I quite like CD Lamb as an extreme high ceiling play for this week because of this trend that we're kind of seeing through three weeks. Yeah, I think the Washington defense terrible. <laughs> I think start, <laughs> start all options you can against Washington defense. It's a joke, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I don't. I, I, I expect plenty of wide receivers to have big days um, against Washington. I think that Washington's offense probably going to put up some decent. Points playing in in garbage time as they have for every week, other than uh, this last week against the Eagles. So yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about many options as through the later year that have had massive games against Washington. Because unless Chase Young coming back in a few weeks is going to completely change the the defense, it's it's not looking pretty. Rich. Um... Second to our final segment, we've got the flex-off competition that we're both uh, doing head-to-head this week. So for those that are listening for the first time, me and Rich go head-to-head in picking a player in flex consideration um, for your fantasy teams. So the way that it works is we look at um, Fancy Pro's ECR, which is um, expert consensus rankings for the week coming up. And we can't pick anyone inside the top 36 wide receivers, top 24 running backs, top 12 tight ends. Just scoring wise, it is PPR. There's no special scoring or anything. So first week I went Drake London and pulled the win there. Rich this week, it was a lot closer. Um, So we ran a poll um, on at Five Yard Dynasty. So if you want to take part in the flex off poll to to uh, pick who you think is going to win out of me and Rich that week, go ahead over to there. The poll will be out on Fridays. But Rich, we ran that poll for this week. It was Chris Olave, which was your pick, and my pick of Tyler Boyd. And you had a 91.3% following in that poll. People people were in agreement and the people were were, and 91% of people were actually right, but it wasn't as far as you would expect. So Chris Olave scored 23.7 fancy points last week. He had a great week. Um, And then my Tyler Boyd came in at 20.5 points or only three points difference. Um, But Rich does take that win, so it is one to one in the rankings right now. Um, with that being said, Rich, who do you have as your flex off player for week four? So I felt that look, let, let's continue the trend. We've called the Drake London breakout <laughs> game, we've called the Chris Olave breakout game, so let's go and call the Traylon Burks breakout game. Uh, he's got a really interesting matchup. I think he's probably going to see Stephon Gilmore quite a lot on Sunday, which is going to be interesting. Obviously, Stephon Gilmore, former Defensive Player of the Year, but not quite the player he was, but he's still a big physical corner. 
and it'll be interesting to see what Traylon Burks does. Burks has increased the number of routes he's run every single week. Last week, he ran 95% of routes. I, I think that for Tennessee to basically get back to playoff contention, they need to ride their studs. And I think that Robert Woods, sadly, as much as I love him, is no longer that. And I think it's going to be Derek Henry and Traylon Burks. And I think they need to start force feeding the ball to Burks. And look, if, if the breakout is ever going to come, it's got to come in these next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I've got Trellen Burks, who's currently wide receiver 43. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And I want it to happen because I think Burks is going to break out at some point. Um, I don't know whether it's this week, but as you said, it's a good matchup for him. My player, Rich, I'm going to go with the guy that you were massively high on all the way through rookie models rookie um season you weren't happy when the jets drafted him um so i'm giving you a bit of a dilemma here do you cheer on your your guy especially on your team or are you cheering against him uh that's Brees hall so um in ecr rankings he is rb31 for this week which surprised me. I thought it'd be a little bit higher. He's slowly been gaining points um, in PPR. So he, he's being used in that passing game. I mean, this last week we saw um, Carter, Michael Carter, not be used as much as he has been used in the first two weeks. Um, I mean, Brees Hall had 11 targets, I believe it was. He had double-digit targets. So... Has he clawed that 1A roll away from Carter? I think he has at this point, um, just through three weeks, which is incredible for him, considering how good Carter was last year for the Jets. And then when you look at his matchup, Rich, Pittsburgh actually at the moment are one of the worst defences for fancy points allowed to running backs. I think that if Brees Hall is going to have a breakout game, think this is going to be a great game for him if not i think that he's also got a very good floor to basically seal the deal if burks doesn't do very well this week which is what we've kind of seen from him in the past few weeks yeah i, th- I think he's a good call um I, you know i love Bruce Hall. i think minka fitzpatrick <laughs> is also in the concussion protocol so i think that's interesting that um the, the Steelers could be without him, which is obviously a massive hole on that defence. So, yeah, very interested to see uh, what Brees Hall does this week. It's the first week, again, not final as my rankings, but at the moment, it's the first week I've ranked Brees Hall over Michael Carter. So, Well, he has been gaining fancy points. So he scored nine in the first week, 13 in the second week, and then 15 last week. And that's all without a touch. Oh, no, sorry. Week two was with a touchdown. Um, but in the two game, in the other two games, he was used a lot in the passing game. So I'm expecting that, especially from this Pittsburgh team. That sorry, Rich, I'm kind of expecting the Pittsburgh team to go up early and force you to throw Mitch a little bit. Trubisky at quarterback, you reckon? Yeah, they're going I, early? I think but he's going to do something, and he's going to start throwing the ball deep. The we said this last week, but I think the that big he's question mark. The big question mark for the Jets is that Zach Wilson should be back this week. So, look, we've had, we've had captain yeah. check down at quarterback now for three captain weeks and, and who's thrown an obscene amount of passes to the running backs and tight ends. Is that going to continue with Zach Wilson or, or is it going to be more of the offense that we saw last year with Zach Wilson pushing that ball down the field a little bit more often? So, remember, guys, go over to at 5-Yard Dynasty on Friday. There will be a tweet sent out. Um, and it'll be a poll so you can join in and pick which side you're on and let's try and make it a bit more even this week I don't want to be in the minority of less than 10% again even though you were right as a populace it wasn't as close as that poll made out Um, Rich this week we do have listener questions so let's head over to the mailbag Um, so first of all we've got three questions all around rebuilding so Ali um, has asked, who is your favourite buy for a rebuilding team and for a competing team? But then uh, Tarek also asked about rebuilding 
Um, so we'll start off with the favorite buy for rebuilding and then we'll kind of progress through these questions a little bit quickly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm aiming these at Superflex. So favorite buy for a rebuilding team. I think you've got to go young elite quarterback. We talked about them already. Trevor Lawrence, I think, get in now before the price skyrockets. Uh, for a competing team, I think you could, can't go much worse than, than Jalen Hurts right now. I think he's still acquirable. Is that a word? He's he's still able to be acquired. It may not be a word, but you can you can make it a word. Really. Yeah, I'll make it a word. Um, I think, as I said, he's he's a top five dynasty QB for me, but I don't think people are there with him yet. So I reckon you can get in. And let's be honest, if you're a competing team in a superflex league, the quarterbacks are what what drives it most of the time. You know, they're the ones that score the big points. They're the the, the big producers. I think that's what you need to get. If you're not elite at those two quarterback spots, you're probably not a true contender. Rebuilding teams, um, I'm probably looking at a guy like, um, I had the name and it's just dropped out of my head, uh, like Christian Watson or Sky Moore that hasn't really shown as a rookie yet and people are probably lower on him and probably looking to get out. Um and you can try and take that shot at a cheaper price than what it would have cost at draft time. Um, Competing-wise, I quite like Christian Kirk right now, but I don't think anyone's selling for less than a first, which is wow. um, surprising. I, I, saw a, I saw a trade go down, which was Kirk for a first. I mean, there were a few other pieces to even it out a little bit, but it was still basically Kirk for a first. Wow. Um, Rich, moving on, but keeping on track with the real rebuilding questions. Can you blow up a team too early? Um, and what do you do if set up, said blow up team um, or said blowing up team gets to the playoffs? For me, yes, you can. Um, I don't know how you feel, Rich, but um, if you do get to the playoffs with a blown up team, I think that it shouldn't be a blown up team anymore. And you should have been making moves when you knew that you were getting close to the playoffs that... And put you in a good position to make the push to um, make the push to the championship. Yeah, I think people look. Let's be honest, re rebuilding and blowing it up is quite fun, isn't it? And I think people <laughs> are too quick sometimes to pull the trigger. Um, it's a conversation that I've had a few times. I think it's good. You want to blow it up as soon as possible, yeah. but you want to wait as long as you can to make sure you are definitely not in contention, um, which sounds a bit like an oxymoron, but in my head, it kind of makes sense in that you I don't ever want to blow it up and then it find yourself in this spot. So if you've done that and you've gone, right, I'm blowing it up, either you've not blown it up properly or you've probably pulled the blow up button too, too quickly. And when I say blow it up properly, I think, the best thing to do when you're blowing it up is to basically blow up one position. And I think that if you can look at, you know, say, for example, a running back, you want to build a roster that is built for next year because, you know, I, I as I said a lot, I don't believe in longer than one year rebuilds. You want to try and build your assets across the roster so that you're set to compete outside of that one position and then you know if it's running back you can have a good quarterback have a good receiver room have a competent tight end and then in one off season you can just target running back to put you back into that competing window and I think too often people try and blow up their entire team and then it takes them three years to rebuild and actually what you should be doing is not just saying I'm going to sell this one piece because he's old and it's about trying to think slightly outside the box. So Rich, um, Paul, one of the five yard dynasty writers at Paul underscore pick and has asked um, if you're looking ahead into week four and you're and three, what are you doing to help you rebuild? First of all, Paul, um, I know that you're in this position. I'm not going to get let you get away with that question and not mention that you're 0-3 in one of the leagues that both me and Rich are in with you. Um, so I feel like you're asking for our advice on a league that we're in together. But I'm happy to give it to you. Um, to start with, if you're 0-3, I always want you to go and check the points for and see what your 
um, scores are like for the past three weeks. Because if you're 0-3, but you've had the most points it put against you, then are you really in a rebuild? You've just had a bad start with a bad schedule. Um, yes, it doesn't look great. But if you're in that situation, that's a tough situation to be in. If you are genuinely at the bottom end of the scoring spectrum, and I'm talking from a position where I know that Rich is in agreement with the way that people should do um, draft orders where the people that don't make the or the teams that don't make the playoffs, um, the draft order is set in reverse standings of max points that could possibly be scored. If it's on sleeper, you can look at that through max PF. Um, there's a column that you can sort in the league standings. Um, so if you're in a league such as that, then always look at max points for, uh, points for because that gives you an idea of how good your team actually has been versus how good um, your opponents have been, whether they've just had that lucky boom week. Um, but Rich, specifically to being 0-3 and, and helping you rebuild, if you do choose to go down that route, what is the first thing you kind of think of there? So I, this is something I've been toying with over the past few weeks. And I think like, everybody can sit here and everybody listening to this podcast probably knows the the way to traditionally rebuild is, you know, you sell off your running backs, you buy into young wide receivers, you buy into young quarterbacks, you get future draft picks and you rebuild that way. Well, everybody's doing that. And if, you know... Yes, the 2023 class is supposed to be special. And yes, we're trying to acquire as many of those draft picks as possible. But if everybody is trying to do the same thing, you're never going to differentiate yourself to become a contender other than a little bit of luck, you know, or maybe you draft a little bit better in in next year's rookie draft. And, and again, you get a bit of luck. And for me, I don't like relying on on luck. So I think that in that situation, Paul, I think you need to start thinking outside the box. And I think you need to start taking perhaps some calculated risks on guys that you think could potentially spin a profit and raise your overall roster value that aren't traditional rebuild moves. So I wrote in the off-season about going out and buying John J. Hopkins because his price was dropped and in three weeks you could then sell him for a profit on what you paid in the off-season because as soon as he's back on the field, people are going to realise, oh, John J. Hopkins is still really good. That's the kind of thing that I think if you're rebuilding, you need to not think about, I only want players that are going to be on my team when I'm competing in two years' time. What you need to be thinking is, can I make small moves to rise my overall roster value or can I make a move that I can spin for a profit in six months? I think that going out and buying 2023 seconds is a good move because I think people don't realise quite how deep this glass is going to be. Um, but I also think take some calculated risks, as Liam said earlier, on some of those rookies that you might perhaps like that could, you know, turn into something down the line, whether that's Sky Moore or Christian Watson or, you know, there's hundreds of other Trey McBride, someone like that. I also think that, you know, traditional rebuild, you're looking at selling off as many as your, your running backs as possible because they're a position that's got a short shelf life. So maybe you go out and you buy a load of backup running backs. You know, we've talked about Khalil Herbert in the last week. His value has probably doubled he's probably gone from being worth less than a second to you know being worth more than a second right now can I mean, you tony go out pollard, another good example there yeah i i mean the, the challenge with tony pollard is that he's a free agent at the end of the year so it's a little bit more uncertain there but could you go out and buy i'm trying to think off the top of my head um isaiah spiller could you go out and buy I'm really struggling. Think you're really struggling. But there's there's plenty of other potential backup running backs that could turn into something if there's an injury. Could you go out and buy Rashad White, young potential rookie running back? If there's a Leonard Fournette injury, his price is going to go up. 
could you go and buy your guy Kenny Gainwell? You know, those are the kind of moves that Kenny Gainwell. But that yes, you're buying young players, but it's not about going out and buying those young players. You could potentially buy, you know, Gus Edwards. If Gus Edwards come back and he's healthy, and there's another J.K. Dobbins injury, could Gus Edwards turn into profit? And I think that that's the the mindset you need to have is not just looking at I only want players on my rosters that are going to help me in 2024 or 2023 whenever you're aiming to rebuild. Start looking for small wins. Start looking for players that could turn a profit. And that's the way that you're going to increase that overall roster value and get you in a position to compete sooner than three years down the line by blowing it up and just getting rookie picks and and doing it that, you know, three-year recycle way. Rich, um, quickly, we've got Paul Squires asking, um, is it time to cut our losses on Albert O? And then quite similarly um what is your biggest panic cut that you can try and take advantage of if someone is panicking or in, in those shallower leagues already cutting uh ties with similar to a situation like alberto yeah i mean look alberto's not been great <laughs> he's he's been pretty poor um but i think that whole um i almost said seattle that whole denver offense has been pretty poor. <laughs> um I'd I'd wait on Alberto. He's he's not been what I'd hoped. I know I'd I'd hyped up, and it's it's looking like that's the one person or one of the players that I've got wrong. He's still running the route on over sixty percent of um, pass plays. You know he he's still getting a decent targets per route rate. He's at like thirteen percent. I'd like to see that tick up a little bit, close towards twenty. But wait, if if we're still having this conversation in two, three weeks' time, then yeah, maybe look at moving on to Albert O. Hopefully your dynasty leagues are big enough that you can still roster Albert O without getting into too much trouble. Um, in terms of panic cut, I struggle with this because, I'll be honest, most of the dynasty leagues I play in are, are, are deep and basically nobody gets cut. The only time anybody's adding anyone off the waiver wire is because somebody's going on to IR. So yeah, m- maybe someone cut like Darnell Mooney or, or somebody like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I struggled to come up with a, a, a cut. Have you, have you got any suggestions? No, I, as you said, I am in many leagues where when someone picks someone up, I have to go and research who that player is because <laughs> you probably haven't heard of him, um, too often. I mean, I'm talking guys like Richie James that had a bunch of targets week one and has kind of carried that on. Mac Hollins is another one that just had a massive week this week. Guys like that that are just coming up out of nowhere. So cuts-wise, probably not picking any guys up that are being cut when you are picking guys like that up. Um, but I like that for Darnell Mooney call in terms of someone that has fallen. I've, I've got a, a couple that I've just thought. Maybe you could get maybe some of the rookies, maybe someone's moved on from like an Isaiah Spiller or Pierre Strong, who, who hasn't done anything so far this year. Maybe it's someone like a Danny Gray or a Khalil Shakir who... I've not got high hopes for, but if it's, you know, the 27th, 28th person on your roster, they were well worth that roster spot. So, yeah, I'd, I'd look at draft capital and, and age and and try and take some flyers. You know, could, could it be David Bell or someone like that? And then the final question we've got, Rich, is from Jack. Um, so he's asked, what is the goat cocktail? Now, um, if you don't mind, Rich, I'll... That's all, that's all, all you, all you mate. Please do. Please uh, do. <laughs> so I had a quick research, Jack. The goat cocktail, uh, from what I could find, there is actually a cocktail called the goat, which is one shot vodka, one shot um, tequila, one shot rum, and one splash of Tabasco sauce, which doesn't sound very nice in my opinion. Um, so that is the actual goat cocktail from what I can see um, from a quick research. My goat cocktail, so greatest of all time, will be the classic daiquiri, which is lime rum and sugar syrup or sugar, however um, you want to make that. Um, I, it's just my favourite. I don't know. I don't know how else to explain that. Do you have a goat cocktail? Yeah, gin, gin and tonic. That's me sorted. There you go. <laughs> how boring of you, Rich. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking of trying to make something with the name and make a make a cocktail myself but i just couldn't think of one in the short amount of time jack so gin. maybe i'll come back to you and i'll dm you gin uh, gin oasis avocado gin. And there you go 
yeah, I was thinking something along the lines of um, gin, orange juice. Um, why do you not think of orange juice? Why do you not think no of orange idea. juice beginning with O? Why? Why? Uh, yeah, it's one of the most common cocktail ingredients. Orange yeah. juice was one of, one of the first things. Um, amaretto and tequila, but I have no idea how that's going to work together because there's some different flavors in there. Um, but yeah, Jack, classic daiquiri. If you haven't tried one, go for it. Strawberry daiquiri if you're feeling not lime and a different flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, that is all we have on the show sheet. So, that's all we have on the show for you. Um, as usual, you can find the um, live stream at Five Yard Dynasty if you're not listening to this live. Um, at eight o'clock, um, that is UK times, the three PM Eastern every Tuesday, and it's going to be out on a podcast. If you are listening live, um, get your listener questions over to us at Five Yard Dynasty. That tweet goes out every Monday, and um, vote on our poll as well for the flex off competition. So it's Traylon Burks versus Brees Hall this week. Um, please vote for me a little bit more guys i don't want an eight percent showing again um which i have a feeling this time i don't think i'll have an eight percent showing rich but yeah have a vote on that that'll be out on friday so until next week guys that is everything from us so please stay safe and we'll see you then live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.